Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 245th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that has fingers crossed for a smooth transition of power and the renewed pursuit of civil rights and some semblance, perhaps, of a plan to save our environment. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as usual, is Travis Allen, aka at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, James. Good evening, everybody. Uh, glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, how do you feel about the uh, outcome of your election? Oh, I have a pit in my stomach. Are you worried? Are you worried, are not... you worried that they're, they're there's going to be some shenanigans? Uh, yeah, yeah. There. I mean, again, this is another one of these questions that could spin off into a significant discussion. Um, there is uh, obviously a, a great deal of effort by a lot of GP operatives to claim voter fraud, which um, is mostly all going to fall by the way. None of it. We we, we know that pretty much none of it's true. That. But they're going to launch a lot of legal battles, and if any of them stick, the further up the chain they get, the more Republican the courts get, right up to the Supreme Court, which is like basically six out of nine Republican justices. So the further they get with any of those, the worse it gets. Um, the Electoral College has room for them to mess with, because I'm guessing even a lot of our American listeners don't know the Electoral College actually has to vote uh, on the president. We did not vote for the president. We voted for Electoral College, but you, you already know this, but basically there is another vote that takes place in uh, December 10th, I believe. So there is room for that to have problems. And uh, within the last 24 hours, there was actually a significant clearing house of top level military appointments um, and installation of essentially sock puppets in those positions, like undersecretary of defense, things like that. So there's, let's just say this is not over and it's not going to be over until it's over. So yes, I am concerned. There was a Supreme Court ruling in July that said that um, electoral, like faithless electors could be um, challenged if they chose not to exercise the will of the people. So hopefully that will be enough to keep things uh, in line, there was also the, I saw today that the USPS inspector uh, general's team had interviewed the supposed whistleblower from Erie, Pennsylvania, who ended up completely recanting their allegations of a supervisor tampering with mail-in ballots once they had been questioned in detail. <laughs> yep. I mean, 
do you re- remember you were you might be old enough to remember this i am not i had to read about it when the uh ira was trying to uh assassinate margaret thatcher i was pre- I, yeah i was pretty young at the time so like young for that yeah. at one point uh i think they had a failed attempt a failed bombing like car bomb or something and i don't remember what margaret thatcher may or may not have said but the ira came back and said you we only you have to get lucky every time we only have to get lucky once and this is a a concept that anyone who works with um network security virus protection and so forth is very familiar with you have to be you have to get it right every single time the person trying to break in only has to get right once and this is a similar situation there's a lot of things a lot of moving parts here and if most of them work out in our favor but one does not that could be an issue um so you know you have these these the the grim news mixed in with the stuff that's slightly reassuring but you know for the last four years the republicans basically just done whatever they wanted to um in complete uh completely irrelevant of what the law said they just did whatever they want and there's been no penalties whatsoever and it's kind of hard to imagine why suddenly it would be any different they've gotten away with breaking the rules over and over and over again for four years why do they think that would change especially when the stakes are this high why wouldn't they try and yet it's truly incredible I have no idea what Hollywood is going to, how they're going to manage to handle addressing this period of time when these scripts are so outlandish in real life that you could never get them approved. <laughs> the This whole thing with the four seasons total landscaping ending up randomly being the site of an attempted major press conference by Trump's team where clearly they were trying to book the four seasons but somebody clicked the wrong google maps link and so everybody shows up at four seasons total landscaping in between a landscaping place and a dildo adult bookshop like that's like an arrested development episode oh yeah you cannot make this stuff up no it's i mean we spent four years seeing tweets about how you know from people who are writers saying you know commenting on some essentially event that has occurred in american politics and saying if i wrote this in a story my story would be rejected for being too stupid uh and these are just the latest in a long line but you know if you look back at american history books um if you you are you a canadian look at our history books uh there's a real canonization of all of these figures especially especially after they're dead um let me tell you, if, if you went and looked at an American history book and read about Reagan, you would think the dude was left office, carried around on everyone's shoulders, both sides of the aisle. I mean, they do not indicate the true story. So I, I think time will be very polite to him and the events that have uh, played out here. Fairly amazing developments on the COVID side, too. We've got... Uh... <clears throat> a vaccine that supposedly has 90% efficacy, at least against the current current mutation. But then you got Denmark killing 17 million minks because the virus jumped from the workers in their mink farms to the minks, got mutated and jumped back. And the version that jumped back is uh, more dangerous than the current version, which puts all of our existing vaccination work at risk. That I did not hear. So 
a Dutch worker it, uh, gave it, it. It didn't sound like it was one worker. It sounded like it might have been a more widespread problem since they're killing all 17 million of their livestock. Well, a some Dutch people sure gave COVID to minks. Uh, wait, the, du- min- the Dutch are Holland. Wait, I didn't. I, what did you I say? Get Denmark, originally? so Danes, yeah. Danes. Okay, yeah, I get that sort of region confused. The Danes uh, geography is not a strong suit of Americans. <laughs> the Danes gave COVID to their minks on accident. It mutated within the minks, and then the minks gave it back to the humans. Which is essentially how we got the first version as well, but from something else. They think maybe bats, maybe pangolins, or whatever. Huh. That I was unaware of. This is, re- this yeah, is really where these, these flu-like viruses that infect the lungs um, tend to get most... Well, tend to get most dangerous is when they're... The, the virus has a different host that reacts to it differently, which puts evolutionary pressure on it, which changes the virus into a new form. And then when it you know gets sent back to some other host... That host may actually have a lot more trouble dealing with it or have an easier time. Depends. But in this case, more dangerous. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was aware that that was where most of it comes from. That's that's uh, pretty wild. I was unaware that that had occurred. So, I mean, the, the timing on all this is very... We, we need to get very lucky here because that version of the virus needs to basically be stamped out immediately in Denmark. They, were, they just got put on a cannot travel list to the UK, for instance. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd have to, right? Like, what else? What is your alternative so, there? So hopefully that does not turn into some fresh hell that the current vaccines can't handle. Uh, yeah, here's hoping. So good news all around, really, here is what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's been quite the week. Yeah. All right. I have, my, my bomb has been uh, finishing Alex on VR and dipping my toe into uh, Hades which is the, the the game du jour. I, I haven't touched it yet. I think we talked about this last week, right? Uh, which one? Hades. Uh, ah. Your experience therein. Um, I'm playing Smite currently on PS4 uh, as a basically descendant of Paragon. And it's been pretty fun. Yeah, I've, I'd heard, I've heard of Smite. I haven't checked it out. Um, yeah, Hades is good. Now that I've given it a couple runs, it's, uh, I think the core gameplay is a little dry for me kind of like a i don't know those sort of beat-em-ups get a, a little boring but everything else about the game is so exceptionally well done that it kind of stands that all props up that part of the game a couple of run-throughs i watched on youtube gave me the same impression like just exquisite yeah. artistry yeah well yeah and they did bastion so if anyone had played bastion that game was basically the same deal um i will say nothing i still haven't played a game I think that was as powerful and impressive as Disco Elysium. That really was just absolutely absurd. The more I think about it, if you have not played that game, cannot recommend it enough. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about magic though. So moving on to the MTGO metagame week in review. Uh, what? Oh yeah. Well, you, we, oh, you want to you want to get, okay. you want to no, 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 surprise no, us with no, the four this... segments? I guess we should do so. No, this week is we're gonna go in blind. We're just gonna go blind this week. <laughs> but but that's so scary. What what if we have completely different segments that we weren't prepared for? Uh, let's let, let's hope that's the case. All right, MGGO Metagame Week in Review Pioneer Showcase Challenge. 
Interesting looking meta, but nothing super surprising. We have Jeskai, Yorion, Planeswalkers in first and fifth. That's with four uh, Thraferis, two Luka, four Transmogrify. That card's still hanging tight in that list. Those dollar foil extended arts looking pretty saucy in our uh, collector's corner a couple weeks ago. So what did you call that Teferi? Uh, Thraferi. Thraferi. Okay. Uh, Thraferi. Four, four Shark Typhoon. Um... It's just, just a pile of Jeskai control cards that uh, uses Transmogrify to get an Agent of Treachery on the battlefield and start taking serious advantage of their opponents. Yeah. Uh, the mono green deck with 12 Planeswalkers, 4 Karn, 4 Nyssa, 4 Vivians, and uh, running 4 Nykthos, Shrine of Nyx. Uh, second place, Boros Wizards in 3rd, 4th, and 8th, uh, with Chain to the Rocks being the most notable inclusion there. Um, mostly in the sideboard, these are either 3 or 4 copies. Uh, a card that was never really got used when it was in standard, and despite being a relatively strong, uh, you know, single mana removal spell, doesn't see that much EDH play either that I've ever heard of. Well, yeah, I mean, people tend not to play a lot of spot removal in EDH, and I think it's considerably m- more um, uh, risky to play a card like Chain of the Rocks, which can backfire, as opposed to just paying like two mana to really get the job done, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we have Saltime Midrange with Uro, Jace Friends Prodigy, Traverse the Ulvenwald, and some more Shark Typhoon in 6th. And then the indefatigable Black-White Auras that's been in Pioneer for months and months, up taking on all comers. Most notable inclusion there from a financial perspective is still the Bright Climb Pathways being the most used pathway that I've noted. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're still... Making uh, making headway with those. I do notice the lack of uh, oops all spells. Yep, not a, nothing in the top eight there. Uh, now over in modern things were a little spicier. First place was a fairly known deck, Eldrazi Tron, with four Karn and two Ugin. However, is notable that it's not the Karn and Ugin you think it is. <laughs> it's four Karn the Great Creator and two Ugin Ineffable, displacing the uh, original versions that are considered to be more powerful. The, the correct Karn and the correct Ugin. Well, it, I mean, this draws this into question, right? You, went, you, you win a modern challenge with these versions of, the, of those characters, and one starts to wonder. Yeah, I, I, I you know, Tron is a, the, I think it's fair to say, the most established archetype in modern at the moment. I mean, like, it's been there virtually since day one. Uh, so... I'm not putting too much stock in this plane re- replacing those other card and Ugin entirely. Um, I don't, but maybe the metagame at the moment is such that the, that version will be better. But even if that's true for three months, uh, you know, modern has held that can, the old version for uh, what, like seven years or something like that. So it's not going to change overnight. Second place, we have a blue-red Kiki-Jiki combo deck. Don't see that every day. Uh, 12 creatures, 2 Crackling Drake, 3 Deceiver Exarch, 3 Kiki-Jiki, and 4 Snapcaster Mage, a whole pile of red and blue instants and sorceries. And then over in the lands, most notably, using 4 River Glide Pathway. Blue-red duel making its way into modern second place. All four copies. That's uh, surprising, to be perfectly honest with you. And that's in a deck with 21 land. So yeah, like, it's not like a Yorion deck where they were 
stretching out into 30, so they needed to find four more. I, 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 we need to get like six months in before I will fully trust these results. Like, is that really better than all of the other blue red duels available to you? Hmm. Hmm. We'll see. I think part of what's going on here is you have Archmage's Charm requiring three blue, Cryptic Command requires three blue, and Kikijiki requires three red. <laughs> so they're also running four Cascade Bluffs in the main, which is not, the filter lands are not frequently seen in modern. Well, that's what I'm talking about. If you're running Kikijiki next to Cryptic Command, uh, it seems weird that you'd be playing a land that is only makes one color once it's on the battlefield. That's not a basic, basically. They also they also run three reflecting pool. Mm-hmm. So I mean this this is definitely a banner base that has been skewed to handle triple pips. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but that just seems so odd to me that that specific car, like the what you call it, the flip lands. Are we calling them flip lands? Are the choice for a deck with color leaning that hard on colors we gotta we got hit up daniel fournier because is is he timu the the player for the second place list was t-i-e-m triple u and that sounds vaguely familiar and i also know that he seems to if he can get away with playing a kiki jiki combo deck he probably would well his twitter handle is tarantu yeah i don't know but we, it's not i don't think that's the same thing yeah entirely possible all right, so third place is also a little spicy. We've seen Shadow Scourge decks uh, making headway in the top eight of modern uh, lists for weeks now, but this is the first time I recall seeing a Mardu version. This is uh, four Bomat Courier, four Death Shadow, four, one Croxa, four Monastery Swift Spear, four Scourge of the Skyclaves, two Inquisition of Kozilek, four Thoughtseize, and then on the white side, they've got an Apostle's Blessing, which arguably is not even a white card. Uh, two Dismember, four Fatal Push, four Lightning Bolt, two Teamer Battle Rage, one Seal of Fire, and four Mistress Bobble. So I suppose this is really just a, a slight variant on the black-red build, since the only white card can be played with Phyrexian mana. Yeah, I would consider that still pretty much just black-red. It's a little weird, though, because they are, they are, they're also running a Silent Clearing uh, in their land base. Maybe that's for in case they can't afford to spend the uh, the life on the Apostle's Blessing. Yeah, I mean, these lands, you know, the Horizon Canopy lands are good. And I mean, no, but that doesn't really make sense because if you can't afford to pay the Phyrexian cost of two life, you're paying one life oh, for Silent Clearing. Yeah, why do you want to pay one life? Yeah, it must the, the, it must just have been the way it worked out that they want. Because if this is Mardu, yeah, you would either have to do red, white, or red, black for your Horizon. Uh, yeah, because you don't know. Yeah, no, you're right, because there is yeah, no black, red one. Yeah, it'd have to be white X. I think what we're getting at is if there was a black red canopy land, it would have replaced all three of these other copies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So fourth place. By the way, there's your cycle for Modern Horizons 2. Oh, it could easily be true. Could easily be true. Especially since that was the cycle on Horizons 1. But we know we're getting the enemy fetch lands too. So it seems weird that we would get. Oh, yeah. It seems weird that we would get two cycles. There's at this point they put out little tidbits of information about various sets that are like a year away. Yeah, and it's just easy to forget like what they've said about that type of stuff. Like, oh yeah, they did say the fetches are coming in like 19 months. Uh, okay, 
you know, buy all that away. You know what's funny is I think by November of 2019 they had announced, like, te- given us the teaser article on Commander Collection Green. Um, but they haven't told. Oh us yeah, it was super early. But they haven't told us what the Commander Collection is next fall. Uh, I mean, my guess is yeah. it's blue, but. Yeah, I mean, that would be the expectation. But you're right, because it was before 2020 that we knew. Because I kept thinking it was in the spring. Mm-hmm. So, fourth place and seventh place Amulet Titan, four Titan, four Dryad. The third, the fourth place one is notable because they were running three turn, uh, three turn timber symbiosis in the main. They both run four Summoners Pact. Titan, continuing to do work in this format. Uh, fifth place is... Uh, a little tweak on a spicy list from earlier in the year. This is um, Niv-Mizzet, four-color Niv-Mizzet, um, that now has access to Omnath. Wow. So this is... <laughs> let's just get this straight. They get to play three Thrifairies, four Ren and Six, two Birds of Paradise, fine, one Golos, three Niv-Mizzets, four Omnath, three Uro... <laughs> Four Bring Delight, one Dreadbore, one Supreme Verdict, one Unmoored Ego, Abrupt Decays, Assassin's Trophy, Expansion Explosion, four Kai's Guile in the main is notable. Um, looks like they feel like they have to, they have reason to be dealing with uh, cards in other people's graveyards, and they want four main for that. One Coligan's Command and four Lightning Helix, four Abundant Growth, and four Utopia Sprawl. Kind of weird. They have 32 land. Oh, but wait. It's also a Yorion deck. So now 5-color Niv has Uro and Omnath and Yorion. <laughs> I I mean, this deck has just gotten... It's it's no longer a Niv-Mizzet deck, it feels like. It's just a pile of some obscene multicolor cards that also just has a... What is it? Like a 5-mana draw 5 or some nonsense. And, and Which we, is when we clocked this deck early on, and we were debating its longevity. It has surprisingly stayed in in the horses race all the way through the year, um, popping up over and over again in both Pioneer and in Modern. And you know the key analysis on point on this deck is that they just get new tools all the time. Whatever you think the weak link here is, like I don't know, unmoored ego or something, they'll just replace it at some point with something even better. Um, and they have so many different ways they can go if they have to shift with the meta. Like, I don't recall seeing four Kaya's Guile in the main before. They also have two Ashiok Dream Render in the sideboard, which suggests to me that they are expecting to be dealing with graveyards on the regular. It's, um, yeah, they've got a lot of tools available to them, and the mana keeps getting better, too. So uh, I would imagine getting the mana base right on this is quite challenging. I think Niv Misery Born should say that if you... Uh, put a card into your hand for... Oh, wait. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors. Oh, so you yeah. can't even get Om, uh, Omnath with him. They're just playing Omnath as, uh, well, I'm already playing all these colors. I might as well. Yep. Interesting. But, I mean, if you play Omnath on turn four, on turn five, if you play a fetch, you get to Niv-Mizzet, yeah, essentially, it, yeah, for you, free. Yeah, you've got it right. It's the other way around. It's Omnath into Niv and have perfect mana to do it. Yeah. Um, interesting. I do think that if you draw exactly 10... It, it, Niv-Mizzet says reveal the top 10 cards, and I think it should say if you put 10 cards into your hand, this way you win the game. Yeah, that'd be sexy. If you manage to hit all 10 individual color pairs, because the odds of that would have to be like one in billion two other points two other points here these one that we've uh mentioned before that 
in these big Yorion land lists and with the Primeval Titan list, there's motivation to be playing additional land types. So you see multiple versions of uh, Triomes in here, Indatha, Ketria, and Savai, um, all making an appearance here, being, uh, you know, searchable Tri-lands, certainly helpful in, in modern if you can uh, afford for them to occasionally come into play tapped on your turn. The And then the other... Th- Notable point is that I I flagged for folks in the Discord today one of my picks from back in September for another look, which is uh, Yorion Sky Nomad Foil Extended Arts under 15. There are very few left in North America under 20, and there were some copies overseas that were closer to the 12 to 15 range. And once all that dries up, when are they ever going to reprint Companions? Like both Yorion and Luris Foil Extended Arts have been hot pickups in the last few months because they're seeing tons of play tons between the two of them gen gotha is probably worth another look as well because it shows up here and there wherever the other two don't and companions was such a pr clusterfuck they're not going to be dying to reintroduce this premise like companions version two (laughs) seems pretty unlikely anytime soon and why why would they reprint the companions themselves yeah, Companions version 2 would be a new mechanic entirely. Um, I don't think they'll probably go to the Companion well again. Which one did you say was your pick? I missed it. Uh, Yorion Sky Nomad Foil Extended Art under 15 to go to 30, oh. to go to 30 plus. They're hollowing oh, out yeah. everywhere. That seems like a, a slam dunk at this point with how much continued play this is seen. Yeah. They just, yeah. They just can't be re- um restocked in any reasonable way because they were released during covid so even though i and icoria collector boosters were delayed uh for a little bit and (laughs) lots of people would have avoided buying the set because companions made that uh not as attractive as it otherwise would have been in the early midsummer and there's no way you're going to see these companions show up in challenger decks or something next winter. Like it's just, they're not relevant factors for most of standard and there's no paper play being played anyway. So who knows if they're going to even feel any impetus to put that kind of product out on the shelves come, you know, end of winter 2021. It's entirely, yeah. it's entirely possible that a lot of that stuff is safe. I can see them maybe sneaking into modern horizons too. Maybe, um, no way, Jose. I could see a couple but, of the good ones but, show up on the list. I'll give you that. Yeah, one. that seems like a reasonable spot to put them. Or maybe even Modern Horizons 3. Um, you know, But that's so far away that who cares? The, the only thing I can see being troublesome for Speckland is if, as a starting point, Extended Arts, make just the non-foil versions, make their way into the list. Um, mm-hmm. However, the list is still so big and generates so few relevant copies in the market it doesn't seem to be having any impact per se but they could also just go the list could be anything the problem with that is then they got to print with with how small the overall distribution is of the list cards generating a separate foil and non-foil sheet is off-putting to them but if three years down the road two years down the road set boosters had largely taken over for regular boosters then it might be a different animal. Yeah, it seems like there's a couple ways that this could end up going 
and I, 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 I'm not, I'm not even that worried about the list in this regard. I mean, I'm not really worried about the list at all these days, uh, given what we've seen in terms of supply. I mean, that'll change once people are actually in stores, but you know, at the very least, the foil versions are especially safe. Does the list contain any foils? I don't remember. None. Zero. None. Yeah. Right. Zero. That's what I thought. Because so. because the math doesn't add up. Like to print special versions of anything, you need to have volume. Which, yeah. which is why you don't get Russian collector boosters. Um, it was very odd to me that you got Russian Modern Horizons. <laughs> I, I'm very curious whether there will be Russian Modern Horizons too. Because mm, that be right for hopefully for you that will be. Oh, I that I'd be ecstatic. Um, that that was <laughs> that was good money to be made um, buying Russian boxes at English prices. Um, Anyway, we'll see how that plays out. In sixth place in this modern challenge top eight, we have green-white creature combo. This is mostly built around Devoted Druid plus Vizier Remedies, and they're really leaning into it with four Eladomri's Call, four Finale of Devastation, and then if you kill one of the setup pieces, they have three post-mortem lunge that uh, they can use to bring a piece back from the graveyard. Hmm. Which, is, which is pretty cute, because that's a one-mana sorcery if they pay the two life. Yeah. To get the uh, no, I guess it's a in both cases a two mana sorcery because both devoted druid and self and uh, vizier of remedies are two mana cards. Even still, that's pretty potent. Handy. It's odd to me that they have they have the walking ballistas in the main, but no no heliod. So what am I missing? What's the combo with walking ballista in here? Um, which uh, six? Hmm. I'm just not seeing it. Hold on, let me find it. I'll crack this nut. Two walking ballista. Oh, part of it might be that well, this, part of it is that this is a Luris deck. Recursing Vizier, recursing Vizier water and devoted druid generate infinite mana. And then you just oh, and then the right, the walking bliss is the kill spell. For some reason, I thought Vizier plus Devoted Druid was the kill, but that's because the green white combo decks haven't really been focused on this kill for a while. We've seen a couple of different variations along the way this summer, so I, I've lost track of it. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, they also have Luris in in the sideboard, so <laughs> that's handy for also bringing back the combo pieces. This is this is a fairly relentless deck. Like you need to kill their stuff and keep killing it to keep this combo from going off. Yeah, they've got the Dustwatch Recruiter in there. They got this is they got four, very annoying. They got four Giver runes to protect the creatures on the board. They got another two Selfless Savior out of M twenty one to protect Vizier or Dustwatch Recruiter or Walking Ballista. This yep. is this is a single minded pursuit of the combo. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh... Pretty linear, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got the Titan deck in seventh again, and then multi Yorion creature combos. What I'm calling this eighth place deck: thirty-two creatures, two Eldritch Evolution, four Corda Calling, two Lightning Bolt, four Path to Exile, a Batter Skull, a Sword of Fire and Ice, four Utopia Sprawl, and a Renin Six. The creatures include Eternal Witness. Idoline of Rhetoric, Gilded Goose, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker, Knight of Autumn, Loaming Shaman, 
Magus of the Moon, Phyrexian Revoker, Four Restoration Angel, Two Scavenging Ooze, Four Season Pyromancer, One Sigarda Host of Herons, A Skyclave Apparition, Four Stoneforge Mystic, and Four Wall of Blossoms. <laughs> wow. This is like old school Kiki. This is, uh... This is a pile. <laughs> this is... This is a pile of cards. This continues to blow my mind how Yorion just has upended the premise that you need 60 tight cards to win a constructed match. When these Yorion decks do well in both of the major competitive formats right now. And they're all 80 cards. Now it's just 80 fun looking cards. Yep. Play 80, play 80 fun cards. Who cares how they work? All right, so that was uh, Modern Pioneer. Modern looking a little spicier than Pioneer. On over to the top paper movers of the week, we've got uh, Jiraga Tree Speaker out of uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. Foils from 50 to 75. This is a card that was already real high. That kind of a move should probably be taken with a grain of salt. It's probably more about a couple of, you know, a $45 copy and a $54 copy selling, and there's more or less nothing left. Uh, pretty sure this has only ever had a single printing, right? Yes, I believe so, yeah. And I refuse to type it in to find out. And I remember when this card foils were like a dollar. Yeah. This is it's fifty to seventy five for foils that I mean it says it's fifteen on TCG. I mean, let's see, there are what we got left. I guess they're the the market price on TCG is twenty, but there are yeah absolutely none left so i think i think these are like a 30 dollars card to be honest fair enough time stream navigator out of rivals of ixalan i don't think i knew this card existed this is a one one for one and a blue it's a human pirate wizard for two and two blue, you can put Timestream Navigator on the bottom of your library, take an extra turn, activate this ability only if you have the city's blessing. And it doesn't actually make you the monarch or anything. It has Ascend. If you control 10 or more permanents, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game. Well, monarch was not in Ixalan as far as yeah. I remember. Yeah. So this card, it, people, somebody was trying to tell me this is taking off because of pirates, but that doesn't really sound correct me oh i believe that i believe that <laughs> i believe that people saw the word pirate and it was a mythic and that was where the thinking stopped maybe i've got maybe the angle i'm missing is that the pirates all there's a there's enough pirates now that generate treasure tokens as they tend to do that you're more likely to have to be able to ascend with 10 permanents on the board which then lets you start taking the extra turns yeah i i i I think you're you're giving this too much credit it's there's pirates now somebody went mythic pirates on a search and started buying these out yes i think and time walk effects are always popular i can buy that i think that is literally it (laughs) all right this next which for the record they might not miss (laughs) i just don't think it was any more complicated than that it's also it's just even if you hit you don't want to have 40 of these this is like you have one two three four copies of this you want to flip into the hype while people are actually thinking about the card because once the spotlight shifts these tend to retrace Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, yep charcoal diamond seventh edition going from 40 to 62 uh commander legends is reprinting all of these diamonds right yep but 
this is a good example of original printings taken off when the spotlight shines on a card that a lot of players might not have even realized existed. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's a 7th edition foil, so there were probably like two of these to begin with, right? Oh yeah, the, the, the combination of it being the original foil version of the card, because it was in Commander 2014 as a non-foil, so that's six years ago, in Mirage 20 plus years ago as an uncommon, and then a 7th edition foil, which is in a very odd skeleton holding a charcoal diamond, um, so certainly the most interesting uh, of the uh, versions of the art, and then it was in 6th edition using the Mirage art, and now in commander legends so it only this is proof to the theory i've espoused before that you only really need five of the five thousand people that go out to buy cheap charcoal diamond foils to be like you know what i'd rather have the original and oops it's a seventh edition so there's no way i'm going wrong with that anyway as a play a seventh edition foil playable edh card i don't think there's a wrong price (laughs) necessarily uh yeah i mean it's not like you're going to uh you're yeah you there there you're right there is no wrong price it might take a long time for you to find someone to buy it at whatever price you land on but it's there's there's five copies of of the seventh edition foil charcoal diamond left on t c g three at sixty bucks uh one at sixty another one at sixty bucks and one at seventy five yep i I snapped off yeah. some of these in Japan this summer at about $20 just because I was you know pushing around on Japanese sites looking for foil seventh cards that had EDH play so that seems like it'll work out just fine final fortune yeah. at a sixth edition 12 to $20 non-foil version that's on the back of Obeka being one of the standout uh, commanders from commander legends being able to end the turn has all sorts of shenanigans in this case taking a free turn without penalty for two red yeah I don't oh becca has the markings of a good commander but i don't think she will be you don't think she'll be popular enough to justify specking on her no i think that ending the turn looks a lot cooler than it will play so far she's out to a two to one lead against her the next closest commanders reported on edh rec but it is very early goings and we yeah. typically see the early reporting be not just not statistically accurate and will shift a month out. So a month from now, we'll be yeah. having a more interesting discussion about which of these commanders have captured the the player base's attention, as it were. Yeah, and when we get to, if we get to a segment later where we pick cards, I'll talk a little bit more about it. But um, I do think that Oh, Becca took the lead because she's very simple to read and understand. It seems like there's a lot of promise with what you get to do. But when you sit down to build the deck, you're like, oh, there's actually less here than I thought there was. I, I got to tell you, just the from the puzzle, from the EDH as puzzle uh, angle, I'm super interested to build this deck because I haven't thought too hard about what she can do beyond this. And that's the fun of it. Like I'm, I'm just going to read zero articles of Beto Becca. Then I'm going to sit down one day and go through my boxes and look for cards that work with ending the turn. And then I'm, yeah. and then I'm going to end up with a deck. And that's how she'll get built. It's, I'll, I, you know, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase. It's a bunch of cards that are really bad, unless you get to end the turn, in which case they're fine. Right. So you, you, like you have all these you have all these turns where she's been killed recently, and you're holding cards you can't yeah. cast. 
So, so you're you have to find other tools to try and end the turn. Like Sundial the Infinite is like mandatory, but it's it's a type of deck where it's like, wow, all of the cards in this deck are basically atrocious without this ability functioning. And even when it's functioning, what did I get out of it? And so, you know. so speaking of Sundial, if you believe in the Obeka thing, only two versions of that card have ever been in foil. One was the original printing in magic 2012 so a decade ago uh and total number of foil copies of sundial of the infinite on tcg we're looking at ten dollar copies stretching up to twenty dollar copies over the course of about 21 listings and you've got a yeah, best, has... you've got about the same amount of mystery booster foils yeah uh, but but they're only three bucks i mean if you think you're going to build a becca you may as well snap one of those off for 250 because hard to go wrong there yeah, I mean that's fine. I think that I think that you won't miss if you buy a foil sundials at two fifty, but and you might get paid on them at five or six bucks. Um, but okay, I I still don't think that that she will stand the test of time. All right, well, time will tell. Um, we've also got last chance from starter nineteen ninety nine. Same kind of situation, forty five to seventy five supposedly. Definitely people chasing Obeka. Didgeridoo from Homelands is supposedly a 25... Didgeridoo. 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 Did you know there was an entire Jamiroquai album based on the Didgeridoo? <laughs> Sounds terrible. It was a great album. There's no way. It was a great I, album. I don't buy that. Um, Maybe it wasn't the entire album, but several tracks. The, the cheapest Didgeridoos on TCG Player, there's somebody with 12 copies at $21. For the love of heaven, people, don't list all 12 at once. Just put up two copies. No one buys four Dejeridews at a time, so you don't need to list your whole inventory. Dejeridews. Um, yeah, bottom line, this card is trash and has been trash for so long, and people have tried to spike it for every time Minotaurs were mentioned in any preview season ever. And now there's hardly any of them left. And I suppose Morog might have something to do with that. The track is called digin out like as in didgeridoo digin uh in case you want to look it up it's funky it's real funky miracles the guy the guy the guy the guys that did virtual insanity they've uh they've got some talent and they also did digital vibrations and you've got there's i like both of those more than i like didgeridoo i can't i can't even tell <laughs> you card. can't even tell if you're fucking with me at this point I, I, i'm completely serious i have like the discography of jamiroquai those are enjoyable tracks <laughs> apprentice necromancer out of urza's destiny foils from 28 to 80 dollars 185 percent gains the original printing of this card is like 20 years ago i don't think it's ever been reprinted other than oh no it was it was but it was not like with the same art it was like 10th edition right m25 i want to say uh okay i'm thinking of something else it was in commander 2017 and uma most recently oh uma not m25 uh, but the urza's destinies are is this ridiculous like Necro- Fangoria yeah. type art that's Fangoria. quite cool. The UMA one is I like the purple, but it was very generic. Psychic Vortex out of uh, Weatherlight. Non-foils, reserve list card, $3 to 13 Somebody in our Discord was bragging about how they made some money on this from picking them up like a year ago or something. Um, snow-covered planes out of secret layer um, we're heading into Kaldheim. that had a low print run and it's, so it's one of the best performing secret layers to date 
These are supposedly $40 now from 10, which just means there are basically none left. That's pretty silly. I mean, the art is fine. It's depressing, honestly. <laughs> looks looks like a buffalo. Looks like a, the view out your backyard in the wintertime. Uh, yeah, I mean, not quite. It's This is definitely like Midwestern, right? This is to the west of like Michigan, Montana. probably. Yeah, but, you know, it's got that gray sky that we are all too familiar with here. Yes, we are. Um... So there are three copies of this card left on TCG Player. $35, $50, and $420, which is probably some Travis Shadow account. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, these stupid things could be 50 or $60 bucks, um, just by virtue of there being so few on the market. And it's the type of card people don't even want four of. They might want 10 or 15 well, that's the thing. And the other thing is that those early secret layers did not have good distribution overseas because it was so expensive to ship. So there's no overseas arbitrage to be had on these, boy. Mm. They are so. very much a U.S. thing. Like even the Canadians probably have very few of these in stock because, again, they, they were facing ridiculous shipping and, t- and border charges to get them in, in stock in the first place. Probably just too late across the board on this. Yep. Uh, so the top mover supposedly this week is Court of Bounty out of Commander Legends, which started out in pre-orders around 350 on TCG and ended up over 20. These soaring pre-orders for Commander Legends cards, boy, are some people going to get a hard dose of reality <laughs> in three months. Uh, this card is an enchantment for two and two green. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And if you're the monarch, you get to put a creature or a land in play instead. So if you can avoid getting tagged and having somebody steal uh, the monarch... Uh, actually, to, for monarch to switch, you don't... They don't have to attack you, do they? When they deal damage to a player. Uh, oh, boy. Second guessing <laughs> myself. I thought that was it, too. But I'm wondering whether they can they can hit any player or they has to be you. No, I think you have to hit the Monarch. You have to steal it from the Monarch. I mean, that seems like what how it should work. Says... Yeah. Yeah. If a creature you control deals combat to the Monarch, you become the Monarch. Yeah, yeah. So if you're going to run a big big school mana, uh, Monarch deck, you really want to be running things like Island Sanctuary, etc., where nobody can attack you <laughs> unless they've got specific things. Um, I don't believe... This card is a rare, not a mythic. There's no way it's $20. Uh, sell, sell, sell. And do not buy at these pre-order prices. This is as bad, yeah. almost as bad as Jeweled Lotus. I mean, this card is good. But yeah, it's good. It's 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 fine. It's fine. We're, we're gonna get gonna the, we're gonna give, get these in Europe at like three seventy five or something at some point. I'm gonna give you guys a little a little hot tip here for a card that I think is criminally underplayed in EDH these days. Is it Martin Stromgold? No, that that's my other. You know, I talked about it last week. I'll switch it up this week. Hunting grounds. Okay. Look up hunting grounds. There you go. It's a freebie for you. I'm looking. I don't know the card off the top of my head from Judgment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you may put a creature card from your hand into play, but only if you have seven things in your graveyard. Yeah, this looks r- ridiculous in EDH. <laughs> yeah, that, that card is just like, okay, we're on turn four. All right, every time you guys cast a spell, I'm putting creatures into play. This has a single printing. Yeah. This is a pick. You, you picking this I this mean, week? Yeah, I, I, I looked it up, but the reason, because I was thinking the foils... It might have been still cheap enough that I could talk about it later on. It's not the only reason it's not a pick is that it just doesn't really have a lot of traction anymore in the format. 
What's the what's the the card count on EDH rec? I, this is underplayed probably because no one's ever heard of it. Well, right, but then that goes back to my like, eh, it doesn't matter if the card is amazing and it's under. It's in five hundred decks. Yeah, that's that's which is gotta be too little. Oh yeah, the card is insane. Like threshold is criminally easy to hit in EDH, and this card is busted once it's turned on. But again, it doesn't matter if no one knows the, if no one plays it. Mm-hmm. Like I could buy a stack of foils of this, but if, <laughs> it, basically, until Jimmy and Jimmy Wong talks about it, it's not going anywhere. I think copies of this card under 15 have got to be real solid. There's very few of those around. My problem, my concern would be that you get nailed on like a, some reprint somehow. It could be. They could show up in a commander deck, but threshold is, yeah. a, is a keyword they've stayed clear of for a long time. Oh, sure, sure. It's not like you, I mean, obviously it's been since Judgment, right? They're not in a rush to print this, but it could sneak its way in as a one-off in several different types of products because they let all sorts of wacky keywords in to various places these days. So like, but also they, they're, yeah. they're just printing more. This is one of those effects where they don't, there's no specific impetus to go print this card because they'll just give you stuff like court of bounty instead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's not like I said, not a big, the, the, my concern is it's Benson's judgment and the price is still 10 bucks. Yep. So it's I have no reason to expect that to see significant change in the next two years. But there's also, uh, like, this does not show up in bulk anymore. No, but I mean, I don't know when was the last time it did. It's been dollars for a long time because I remember when I started playing EDH, this was um, not cheap, not free, basically. Uh, it has been, it was four to five bucks basically forever. And then it looks like it jumped. Oh, this just jumped from four bucks to ten dollars uh, early this year, back in April. Peak COVID. I just found a little stash of them for ten, but seven copies for ten bucks near mint somewhere. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna snap some of those off and see how we do in a year. I, I suspect this is a year to two years for the, the rest of these to drain out, and then if I, if Command Zone covers it one day, you take off in a hurry. I like I I can't tell you that pick is bad, but you could have said exactly that th- same thing in in January of 2011. You could have recommended these as a pick for four dollars, and eight years <laughs> later, it wouldn't have changed in price. A very valid and, point. And you would have been like, um, uh, you would have felt like you're being gaslit. <laughs> like um, I don't get it. Am I the only one who's ever read this card? So I am. I, I, but it just moved. Right. So someone somewhere talked about it, maybe. Like, so maybe someone made a move on it. I don't know, man. Buy your stack and then recommend the card to Jimmy and Wong and see what I'm happens. I'm either putting my money into this or Four Seasons Total Landscaping Stock. I haven't decided which. Sure. I feel like you probably missed the boat on that one, too. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving right along here, we've got Paper Movers wrapped up. Magic Online Movers. we got Thoughtseize, specifically the borderless version from Double Masters. Double Masters was not on Magic Online, so this will be from the Treasure Chest, I would imagine. Um, uh, promo card version going from 13 to 16 for 30% plus gains. No huge surprise. It's a really nice version of the card. Giver of Runes at a Modern Horizons going from 10 to 13. Uh, maybe an early signal that if uh, Paper Magic were to rejoin, you might want to be holding some of that card acquired down near four or five bucks because the green-white creature decks, I suspect, will still be in existence, uh, probably with upgrades when next summer comes around. Skirt- yeah, it, 
I would just in, be inclined to point out that it will depend on what the paper gameplay looks like. Mm-hmm. Because Moto, it's very easy to play, jump between standard, pioneer, modern, what have you. Um, but in real, in the real world, you have to be a little more choosy about which, what events you're playing, right? You can't just spend all week at the card shop. Um, and I feel like a lot of shops were sort of picking between pioneer and modern. So once we get back through this is modern keeping its place in stores or are people finally moving to pioneer? I don't know. Uh, I would want to see that. Might definitely be laying my bets on modern, despite saying this time last year that modern was, you know, that modern pioneer could not coexist for any extended period of time because they end up converging into being the same format. I still agree that that's all true, but pioneer didn't get really a lot of time to gain traction in 2020 because of COVID. So modern is definitely the most played, like the, the format that most people still have decks, have a reason to own decks for. And wizards is signaling confidence in the format again with the release of modern horizons two. Now I, granted given that they called the first one modern horizons one <laughs> like it had yeah. the, the tag for it was mh1 there's a good chance mh2 has been in the pipeline since mh1 was in the pipeline like it was always planned to be a staggered release over the course of two years um but that notwithstanding uh, it's still a vote of confidence for the format because it's not like they called it a turn like eternal masters I- 2 or constructed masters or something i have mixed feelings about that and I'm, we probably talked about this back when Modern Horizons was announced, but I don't, I, you know, I don't remember what the timetables looked like. But if I'm Wizards and I'm thinking about introducing Pioneer, I'm also wondering if, you know, how long it'll take before they start to converge. And I'm going, well, we're going to introduce Pioneer, so how do we give split that in Modern to give them enough identity? And you go, well, let's just dump a bunch of wild ass cards in the Modern that they won't be in pioneer and then that way they really don't land anywhere near each other. Uh, but to me, that's not, that's not spelling confidence. It's all right. Uh, we're going to give this format about five or six more years. How do we wring the last drops out of it? And you, you do modern horizons because not only do you do modern horizons, you do it with the power level where it was so that all of the cards in that are now format staples. And then you do it again, two years later, and then maybe you do it. Maybe you do it a third time. I don't know. Maybe you just do it twice. And then your new format has started to take hold and you just let modern retire. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, everything was just he's doing these days is wacky. So I mean, if, if, if modern is going to see significant play for five years, I'm not worried about investing into it. That's totally fine. Um, if, if it was going to if it was going to collapse in 18 months, that would be a different story. Um, now that said, I'm not out there buying modern staples. I mean, we're not out there buying any staples. Well, I'm buying commander staples. In 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 yeah, competitive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there are people that are keep trying to push that to me in the discord that, you know, don't we want to get out ahead of the curve? And it's like, okay, but that curve is a ways away. Like, trust me, if you think you're getting your vaccine tomorrow and going back to the LGS next Friday, you need to recheck the calendar. Um, you know, we're talking late 2021 before people can sit down and play on a regular basis. Although I do believe yeah. somebody was saying to me that they thought like modern would like competitive in general would be dead because of this extended hiatus. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think there is always going to be a segment of people attracted to magic that tend to lean to the spiky side and like the competition and are very much looking forward to rejoining and have probably been playing online all the way along. So they're still engaged with the brand. There's not, there's, there hasn't been any real 
evidence of people stepping away from magic per se. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. Sales were very, very strong through the early and middle part of the year. So we'll see how it all, all plays out. Scourge of the Skyclaves making another move here, 26 to 35. That might end up being a, uh, you know, if Scourge pushes up to 50, 60, 70 ticks or something, it will end up being a shorting target on Magic Online, I would imagine. Carpet of mm-hmm. Flowers, uh, promo card at the treasure chest from 34 to 49, uh, 43% gains. Don't know what the specific impetus on that card was, um, but maybe the commander that where mana pools don't drain. Is that something that Carpet of Flowers interacts with profitably? Uh, Carpet of Flowers just gives you mana based on your opponent's islands. Yeah, at the beginning of each of your main phases, if you haven't added mana with this ability this turn, you may add X mana of any one color where X is the number of islands target opponent's controls. That probably is to do with that doesn't the mana doesn't drain, Commander, because this is giving you big mana chunks that you don't have to worry about what you're going to do with right now. Uh, Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so moving on to... Very confident in that. <laughs> our paper cards, the big maybe. Uh, paper cards to watch this week. We got some. We got some spice here. Um, how about this? I don't do this very often. Non-foil card for one thing. Not near mint, and not a near mint card. I think that's lost. That, that's got to be my first time ever in 245 episodes <laughs> recommending a card that was not near mint. You, you, I feel like you've mentioned like beta or alpha cards once or twice before. But I don't know, and I do mean once or twice, but I don't know if they had conditions specified. I would imagine I would have said near mint. I was surprised myself by this. Um, Counterspell, beta version. Going to be hard to get near mint copies short of six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars LP copies are still sitting around out there. LPSP for, say, 325 or so. You might be able to get a hot deal on Facebook, maybe under 300 when is this when's it going to be a better time to buy this card seriously it's counterspell it's the most iconic counterspell in the game rivaled probably only by force of will it's a top five all time top five all time edh card cube card it, it, i don't see how it gets any better <laughs> really if you I, I believe will. this hobby is going to exist for any amount of time these lp counterspells have to my cell target's 500 within 12 months 12 to 18 months call it 18 to be to be safe but this is one of those like if you're the kind of person who doesn't have time to be dicking around with ten dollar speculations that turn into eighteen dollars minus fees you know you're a busy person with plenty of disposable income but real short on time but you consider yourself more of a collector than a speculator this is one of those picks for you because you can throw this into an EDH deck or your cube or whatever for a couple of years and then look it up on TCG one day and be like, oh, lowest LP copy, 625. Awesome. I am, uh, how much of this is fueled by the Pokemon stuff? Little, little to nothing. No, okay. I wasn't sure if this was partly based on the fuel for old Pokemon cards right now. I don't think Magic is ever going to have that massive media moment that Pokemon is enjoying right now with its nostalgia phase because it's not the top entertainment brand of all time, <laughs> right. which is what Pokemon is. Magic is way, way, way down that list. And it's kind of interesting, actually, because I think that the IP, like from a quality perspective, is clearly better with Magic. 
but some but sometimes aesthetic goes a long way and pokemon nailed the what's interesting to a like six to ten year old aesthetic very very hard like they took a huge thick railway tie post and slammed it into the zeitgeist and they're going to hold it there for 50 60 70 80 years like when we have no more paper or anything but everybody's playing vr there will be vr pokemon for jerseys so yeah so pokemon's not going anywhere my little i'll give you tell you a story 10 years ago when the first transformers movie came out i hadn't touched a transformers toy since i was 12 fast forward a few years and all of a sudden i'm a transformers dealer going to big like fan expo like san diego comic-con type shows and selling thirty thousand in transformers a weekend my little Jeez. my little brother just had that moment with pokemon because i flagged for him what was going on said hey you know where are your cards and he's like 31 or whatever now and hasn't touched his cards in over a decade they've been sitting in his parents basement the same old story everybody else is experiencing this month in pokemon and he now has a car trip book to go home, drive three hours, and go look and see what he's got in the basement. And <laughs> he's wondering, do I have ten dollars or a more or like a series of mortgage payments? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife uh, had Pokemon cards when she was younger, and I'm like, the next time you go home to your parents, you gotta go find that binder. And I, my sister had some floating around too. I'm like, and I know my sister didn't play with them, so they're in good condition. Uh, what do we got in here? What do we got? <laughs> and so one of the discussions we've been having in our Discord, because we added a Pokemon channel this month, was, you know, how much of this is a bubble? Where are you in the bubble? And what happens when everybody brings their inventory up out of the basement and tries to sell it? Now, the, uh-huh. now the flip side of that is, yes, my brother's going to go retrieve his cards and then maybe assess whether he wants to sell them. But he also just signed up for Pokemon Center because they just re- they just announced the other day that they're servicing Canada now, and they announced a special Pikachu that's only available to the Canadians ordering, and he wanted that card, so he ended up spending three hundred dollars on new Pokemon cards. <laughs> so they got him, like they got him. He's he's gonna be yeah. he's gonna be exactly the same way I was with Transformers, where I went off and spent like a hundred grand on Transformers in five years. And he'll end up doing, you know, I don't know if it'll be a hundred grand, but he'll spend five, ten thousand dollars on Pokemon before he gets bored of it. And if that's going on simultaneously with the vintage stuff getting pulled out, then some of those people that bring out their collections may sell zero zilch because they'll see them as, you know, they're too valuable to sell. Like they're going to keep going up. They'll get stuck in the FOMO trap. And if anything, he'll run out and buy more of them, not sell a bunch of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, and depending on what he does, you could see a lot of people might just end up holding on to them and writing it down just as you described. If, if it's a bubble and it collapses, then yeah, they could, they could end up writing some of it down. The thing is that the, the kids that were in, in the first two years that are lucking into owning a black Lotus cause they have a Charizard, they didn't play too hard. I, I don't think that card's going down much. And even if that card fell 50% right now, even if that card fell 80%, it would still be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, it's probably like a Lotus. Um, you, you know, you could have, if you have your Charizard, which is the the peak card, essentially, um, that might not suffer much, but everything sort of one tier below that might get hit pretty hard. I'm not even sure if tier two gets hard in Pokemon, but I definitely believe that modern is playing with fire because the thing with Pokemon is they don't have, as we said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, 
their sets aren't officially out of print for four years. So you never know when they're just going to be like, you know what, there's a lot of demand in the market for whatever, Hidden Fates, you know, Darkness Ablaze, whatever it is, and we're just going to reprint it two and a half years after we last did. Mm-hmm. So currently you have these, you know, $40 products that are getting flipped on eBay for 100 That part of the market could certainly collapse under its own weight if the company producing the cards gets greedy and overproduces into that demand because if a lot of that demand is speculator demand and you've got all these people with cases and cases of modern product in the basement waiting for them to turn into big ticket returns those are the kind of situations where weak hands eventually get desperate and insert the inventory back in the market earlier than they expected to wow it's it's uh it's gonna be a wild ride on pokemon that's for sure so what were we talking about? Counterspell? Counterspell. My argument isn't really about Pokemon at all. It's about just that Counterspell is a really iconic beta card that gets played in EDH. So, and it's... Counterspell doesn't have a really fantastic premium version yet. Like, we're, we're getting a foil extended art in Commander Legends that's totally meh with pre-existing art. So, the beta version is where it's at. Like, there is no nicer version of Counterspell. That art is terrible, but it's terrible in a way that defines it as the first few years of magic. And so it's iconic from that perspective, at least for those of us that were around back then. And this is just a great example of a collector card you can play with for a while if you protect it well, and then flip it down the road. It's going to be worth more. I, I just, I know it will because these hardly ever exchange hands these days. And when they, when they do, they often get sucked into collections never to return. Well, it's hard to have an opinion one way or the other. I, 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 that's not true. It's hard to argue with this. Um, you know, I haven't done any research on this, but at the same time, yeah, like a three hundred twenty-five dollar beta counterspell today is is not going to lose value, and it's I don't see why it wouldn't keep ticking up percentage points here and there over time um and really probably kind of you'll see jumps it'll sit at you know 325 for an lp for a couple months and then one or two of those will sell and suddenly it'll be 375 and then that'll be it so yeah i think holding out you know it's a very good card to buy as a collector who might want to play it in his commander deck, but also wants to put the money into a card that he knows will basically only appreciate. And there's probably a, sl- a slate of these that you can get away with too, but Counterspell is certainly one of the better ones to go with. I think this has the same feeling to it as like Judge Foil Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. It's never going to be any worse in commander and it's a, there's only going to be more opportunities for it to have synergy with new cards and Counterspell doesn't even need synergy. It's just counterspell. It fits in any blue deck. Shuts down whatever needs to be shut down at the time that it's in your hand. So couldn't be any any higher of an open-ended synergy quotient. There are two near-mint copies on TCG right now. One at 444, which frankly sounds like a deal if it's actually near-mint. And one at 695, which is a graded 8.5 copy. And then Lightly Played starts at 275, if you believe... You know, Magic Crabs is trustworthy, which they should be because they have 50,000 plus sales and then drifts up into the 325 range. So I think like, as I said, you can probably get a deal if you want to base it off this 275 price on TCG, you might be able to convince somebody to give it to you for 240 on Facebook. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be nice. 
get away with that. So I'll call it call it a three hundred dollar buy in price. Looking to exit closer to five hundred, give it twelve to eighteen months. I'm just gonna set the buy price at two hundred and assume you get lucky. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go that far. What's your first pick of the week? Uh, I also am going with a non foil here. Uh, also on comment, I'm gonna start out by saying I. I looked at the Commander Legends commanders, and um, Obek is the most popular. Obeka is the most popular right now, but I don't think that's going to stick. Um, I think that in general, that ability is going to prove not as interesting to build around. And um, I kind of looked through who is doing well right now to see which ones kind of stood out to me. Uh, Archelos Lagoon Mystic I thought looked pretty interesting. Um, seems like something people might want to get into and I think has some good play to it. But the one that I really think will probably do pretty well in the medium term, at least, is Yurlock of Scorch Thrash. This is the guy that adds Monoburn. And I think Monoburn is kind of cool because the problem with a card like Obeka, which, so uh, l- l- let me, okay, let me back up a little bit. What I'm looking for in what I suspect will be a popular new commander is something novel that isn't just a rehash of a similar deck you've played before. So, for instance, Wyleth Soul of Steel is the third most built commander out of this set right now. He's uh, he's a Boros guy that when he attacks, you draw cards for aura and equipment. Okay, fine. We have like seven Boros equipment commanders right now. Like he doesn't do anything new. It's not to say that he's like bad or uninteresting. He's just not bringing anything new to the table. So I don't expect that to hang on. Um, Same with some of these other ones. However, Yurlock does bring something novel to the table. Bramada Burn isn't available basically anywhere else. So it gets lets you do something kind of cool. And what I see in Yurlock is the same thing I saw in uh, Nekusar, who drew, made your opponents draw extra cards. So this is all sort of based on my assumption that the, that he will do pretty well. So you, let's just set that 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 standard. So you got to be on the same page as me um, to think that these are good. Uh, although, I'll, honestly, even if you don't think your lock is that great, they're still probably fine. But having said that, um, all of my picks this week are, are are based around your lock, and they're with the idea that even if he doesn't prove to be one of the most popular commanders, I think that he will draw enough attention, at least in the short to medium term, that these will all probably do pretty well, uh, simply because of their numbers. But we're going to start with overabundance from invasion the non-foils specifically the foils are a little pricey for me but still probably won't miss even just because they're invasion foils there's a single printing card it costs three mana it's an enchantment whenever a player taps a land for mana that player adds one additional mana of the same type and then it deals one damage to them so if you are playing a deck that's all about mana burn this enchantment doubles your opponent's doubles mana production and pings them when they tap a land. So if they tap five lands, they are now take they immediately take five damage and they have 10 mana in their mana pool. So if, if this is your angle, uh, overabundance is a card you want. Um, you can get these for around five bucks right now. Um, let's see, inventory looks like there are a grand total of 15-ish copies below five dollars although one of these guys has it's three dollars with five dollar shipping but um assuming you can pick up some other cards there's 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 a 
under 20 copies around-ish $5. You add another 10 copies at like 13 and then you're just gone. And the cheapest foils are 40 I imagine people just went in on those as soon as your lock was spoiled, basically. But uh, I suspect you can grab these at five and probably sell them for 10 to 15 to people building your lock in like January, March, roughly. It's the goal. I think this card's super fun. I want people to play it a lot. I don't know if they will. One of the things to be careful with this week on EDH Rec, and this could continue for a while, is that they're tracking the regular commanders properly, but the partners don't have any numbers going on. So yeah. we don't know that the partners aren't outpacing um, without going in and checking how many partner decks are registered for each partner. You don't know if yep. the partners are outpacing uh, the other cards. And it's not clear to me you know, where that's going to land, how many of the non-partner cards will exceed the, part, the key partnerships. There's a lot going on here. That's why we've been telling people uh, in the Pro Trader Discord that you know, focusing on one or two of these unique commanders and going after those cards, which is usually a bad idea. Commanders are not usually what you want to chase as a spec. Or even the cards most likely to be played with them is is definitely going to be some dice rolling. Um, you know, in a month or so, you'll have a much better idea of how things are going. But up front, you, you definitely want to be hedging your bets and waiting to see, especially given that there's all these great staples in the set and staples that weren't reprinted. A lot of stuff people were assuming was going to be in Commander Legends is not present. Didn't get Helm of the Host. Didn't get Smothering Tithe. Didn't get Revel in Riches. All sorts of stuff that could have been reprinted here is is not present. So a lot of that stuff is going to be much more likely to take off. Uh, you know, didn't get Ristic Study uh, in the near future as opposed to betting on any of these in particular. Now, all of that said, <laughs> in Yuriok, I'm definitely playing over abundance. Like, that's just <laughs> compounding the fun. So, uh, and this card is single printing from Invasion, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, so there's there's hardly any of these lying around. The TCG results go from, you know, 5 or so up to 12, up to 20, and then there's just none left. So, at minimum, you know, grab your copy if you're going to build this commander. And I think that grabbing a handful of these is just fine. Yeah, like I said, it's you. You have to. I. I think you're. We're right that you have. You don't want to go too hard on any one commander, and I don't disagree with that. And we, you know, we talked about in the past weeks. Um, this is a intuition angle, like just. It's not it's it's not a numbers game. It's a it's a, I think this is going to bear out as one of the more popular ones. Now I'm not buying a hundred copies of all the cards I talk about today. Um, I think these are good choices for that deck. And next week I might pick another commander and talk about some of the cards that I think are aligned well for that. And you'll notice a, a theme in the cards that I picked this week as well that they are very. They have like really no extra printings and the inventory is very low to begin with. So it won't take much as opposed to trying to get lucky that some commander will become very popular and sell through a hundred copies. I, that, those aren't the numbers we're talking about here. All right. My next pick is one that if we were not in COVID times, I think would have been a slam dunk some time ago. Chalice of the Void, the Seb McKinnon version, Judge Promo. As long as magic event... Honestly, I'm not even sure it's going to matter. These are already draining out in the absence of constructed play. <laughs> so 
when constructor play you know rejoins whether that is three six nine twelve months from now i don't think it's gonna matter there aren't going to be any of these left by this point because even i think just the collector market or speculator vendor market will probably just chomp these up currently on tcg player 13 results total of 20 copies maybe maybe between 60 and 105 dollars over in europe we can pick them up for 60 a, li- a little earlier in the cycle, we could have got them probably closer to 50, 45 uh, at minimums. But I'm not scared picking these up at 60 because I think for these to go 60 to, you know, 60 or 65 to 100 inside six months, say, 12 months at the outside, given that it's said McKinnon art, given that you when you play this card, you always play it as a four of, seems like a slam dunk. Uh, yeah, Chalice of the Void has been pretty quiet, all things considered. Um, well, it's not a big commander for, card. Right. For for how much competitive play it sees. That art is cool, too. Um, yeah, I, I it, it's definitely going to be quiet, more quiet at the moment because of the total lack of constructed play. But when people go back to the tables it does seem like the demand for this would rise once again. And a card like this, which has been a staple in modern and, and legacy for forever, is definitely going to be selling less copies relatively right now than all the EDH stuff is, because why would you be buying it? Um, but that art is pretty cool too. I do see it's in Time Spiral Remastered. Um, and I love me some old borders, but definitely people will like that Judge promo. The Seth McKinnon art is quite cool. It's been announced that it's in the Time Spiral Remastered? Yeah. In the old border? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Old border with the original art. With original art. Mm-hmm. In a situation like that, given how few of the Judge Foils are floating around, I fear not. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I, I fear I not. I... We, we used to talk about... I remember when like the second demonic tutor or vampiric tutor judge foil appeared we talk about how many is too many as long as they're spaced a couple years apart it, it's not going to matter because they end up getting so low and never re-entering the market they get sucked into edh decks and collections and the next version that comes along somebody buys that and throws it into their next edh deck yeah i think we've seen that the market can do a pretty good job absorbing premium copies so uh the fact that there's going to be the judge promo as well as the time spiral remastered version and i guess like there's the mps promo too but those are like two a hundred dollars right now so i i don't think that's a problem for all of these to exist all right so if you if you fear the time spiral remastered reprint steer clear myself i just picked up four of these at 52 euros each yeah don't uh, don't see that missing. Um, my next pick is I have to fix this formatting. Is Dosin of the Falling Leaf? This is a legendary creature from Champions of Kamigawa. Oh, I formatted the name of that wrong. No, oh god, Dosin the Falling Leaf. Sorry, he's not of the Falling Leaf. He just is the Falling Leaf. Uh, he is a three mana two two creature. Players can only play spells during their turns. That's it. One line of text. Uh, pretty straightforward. Um, puts everyone at not sorcery speed, but pseudo sorcery speed. And if you are trying to uh, 
burn people out with mana you don't want them to be able to spend on on turns not their own right they yeah it forces them you can if you generate mana for them if you generate mana for them on their turn it's just straight burn and it that comes from uh the your lock's ability your lock's ability generates mana for all players so with dosen of the falling leaf in play you te- you activate your lock and they just are going to go- that mana is going to go unspent they burn baby. also yeah also amusingly uh they you pair some of the other cards that are popular already with your lock are the untap cards which is not surprising um and it doesn't there it doesn't look like there are any that go infinite but uh you can Tap, pay one, tap him, generate three mana, and then use one of the equipment to untap him for three mana. So every time you spend one mana, it generates three mana for your opponents. So, <laughs> like if you manage to get Dosin and your lock out and uh, with one of those equipment, and then you just spend like ten mana, you did thirty damage to everybody. So uh, <laughs> he is he's pretty potent, and he's also just good because it's going to irritate the living hell out of the rest except, of the table by blocking their turns. Except the other player is going to tap their Obeka and end the turn and clear the mana pools. <laughs> uh, no, but wouldn't uh, that work? I would have to go check the rules on that. Is is ter- in terms of when mana burn does damage. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it seems like it works. It probably does because I, th- I I don't know. I I it, it I can see it working, but I don't know for sure. In any case, uh, I I like that Dozen is interrupts your opponents to begin with, and. He's really good with your lock. Um, copies are non foils are eight bucks. Uh, foils are twenty. I think they're both probably pretty solid because this is a single printing Champions of Kamigawa card. It's not like there's a lot of copies out there. There is like at the moment one, two, three, four non foil Dosins on TCG Player. Four near mint English non foils. Oh, sorry, five uh, for about eight bucks. That's it. Five. 20, 20 year old cards that are ten dollars that fit in even a medium popular commander deck or just have other uses like Dosen has over what thousand fifteen hundred two thousand decks probably reported on edh rec without this new commander uh your lock being around so it's not like nobody was playing it already it's it's not popular by any stretch of the imagination but this is what i mean it has it's like there's uses. five copies of this on tcg player so like how many people have to your lock does not have to be that popular in order for these to sell out same kind of thing as overabundance go a little little shallow build the deck yourself and either way it'll work out for you yep all right all right my final pick of the week is swamp 58 at a jumpstart sourced in europe uh this is the phyrexian language with the phyrexian negator i think walking across the swamp and these were are we're getting real pricey um early on when jumpstart was extremely hard to come by and they're still holding pretty well they're i think the lowest price for their uh this card on tcg play right now is about 13 dollars. you can pick them up in europe at around seven or eight dollars and keep in mind that even if more jumpstart gets printed in another wave in the next six months which i i heard that first of all europe is not getting more jumpstart till q1 2021 and whatever that wave is, I guarantee you it will be even smaller than the last one because that's just how it works. When you're late delivering product and you're outside of your hype cycle, 
if you printed whatever it was, 100,000 units of something during the initial hype cycle, you don't print 100,000 on, on, the, on the reprint. You print like 40,000, 30,000, something that services the current demand, which is mostly people with their heads turned to whatever the new thing is. In that case, it'll be Cal time. And Time Spiral Remastered too, right? So the most important point here is when you want these swamps, you might want 20. That's going to push the price up. You look at these like you look at Colony of Rats or Persistent Partitioner foils or whatever. They're going to get bought up in sufficient quantity that they will just drain out to nothingness. Now, that might take six months for the last waves of Jumpstart to appear and the price might get even lower. Maybe you get a chance of these at six bucks in Europe in, in the springtime. I don't know. But I can tell you that if you pick them up in Europe at eight, given that North America is currently at 13. If even if North America gets down to eight, then people start buying them 20 at a time. They go, oh, it's it's under 10 bucks now. Maybe I'll make my swipe and give that two, three years to filter out. And these will be back up over 20 bucks. It's a. Uh, two basic lands on the list this week. <laughs> uh, oh, no, sorry. The other one was the. Uh, the top paper movers yeah i mean clearly there's a demand for this card i wouldn't have anticipated it but the price is there and the inventory is not good and we're not getting that many more in the near future i i, I think your numbers on terms or in terms of reprints is likely or a rerun is likely uh reasonably accurate within some margin yeah so uh, and and these kind of one print basics continue to do Better numbers than you'd expect, really. Better number than I'd expect. And functionally, this is a mythic because of the way Jumpstar works. You don't get you don't get multiple copies of this in the deck it comes out of. I think you get one copy. Oh, really? Ooh. So you gotta open a lot of these to get those car to get a playset, basically, or you know, ten of them or what have you. Yeah, I'm gonna look at the jumpstart deck list while you talk about your next pick. Okay. Uh, yeah, my last pick is Magus of the Vineyard out of Future Sight. Um, foils and non-foils are one and seven, uh, like maybe a dollar fifty. Uh, CK is giving. Oh, by the way, Dose into the Fallen Leaf. I forgot to mention this. Card Kingdom is giving seven dollars credit on the non-foil dosens, and TCG is like seven to eight low. So you're basically backed in credit already on that. Magus of the Vineyard. Uh, non-foils are uh, a dollar in credit and you can also get those for right around that price um, independent of shipping or if you buy in bulk so you're pretty much covered there inventory is a little deeper there um, your goal here is to pick up a play set to, th to maybe one the three play sets and just try and buy list probably down the road um, for five or six bucks maybe uh, if my intuition about your lock pays off because this card generates double green for each player during their pre-combat main phase and it costs one mana um it's one mana one one but that adds double green during each player's main phase so he's actually kind of useful because if you drop him on turn one or two um you're the right color to be making use of that mana so it's better for you your opponents in the first few turns might be color strong enough on colors that they can't make use of the extra mana and then once you get your your lock out he's just uh hopefully mana burning your opponents um 
But yeah, and again, and the foils are seven, probably trying to get those out up to 15. Again, the, there's four foil copies of this card on TCG player total. Um, one for eight, one for 10, and then 15 and 20, right? Like there's just not around. So uh, not a lot of risk with buying the foils there just by virtue of the supply. Um, it's a single printing from Future Sight. Those are the three I'm looking at this week. Yeah, these are supply-challenged cards across the board. None of them would, would ever make a list for me of top-priority pickups. But if you believe in your lock, hard to go wrong with snapping these off, given where they are with supply. Mm -hmm. uh, I did just check that Phyrexian list. There is only one list that has the Swamp, and you only get one copy. All right, so our Pro Trader pick... Of the week, Fry Guy Games comes out of the woodwork with Sakashima's Student. And there's no timeline. It's immediate arbitrage. Europe has copies of this card in the $23, $24, $25 range. They currently sell on TCG for $40. You buy some. You sell them. Now, he was trying to push this as being uh, bevy, like, buoyed by Sakashima, the imposter being present in Commander Legends. But I pointed out that, uh, sorry, Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, which I think is a fantastic card, probably going to be a future pick of mine on this cast, um, but I don't think has a huge impact on Sakashima's student. The thing about Sakashima's student is Yuriko is the fourth most built commander in the last two years, and Sakashima's student is in 50% plus of those decks. So... And Student has only ever been printed twice, and they were both extremely limited print runs, Plain Chase and Plain Chase Anthology. So it's basically not even a real magic card. This is this has never really existed in a real pack of cards. There's nothing coming up this year that looks like it would include it. Like, I guess the only thing I can think of is the list, or a secret layer, or... I guess the Time Spiral Remastered, but I don't see them making this card a priority. It's, it's a narrow enough card that I don't see it as being a priority reprint anywhere, it, but it's registered in 3,000 EDH decks as is, and this just seems like a straightforward one. If you need a student for your Eurico deck, grab it in Europe, and if you while you're at it, grab a couple more and try to flip them. Uh, I mean, it's hard to go wrong here when you're talking about buying these at 25 when the tcg low is 42 dollars so yep <laughs> that sure is some arbitrage it, 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 can't argue with there's that there's no foil for the card because it came from plain nope. chase yep. and copies on tcg 10 listings for a total of maybe 15 copies ranging from 43 to 64 now i did discuss with with fry guy that i think this card is already at its ceiling it's not a sexy enough card that anyone wants to pay 60 to $80 for it. So this is one of those cards where vendors say, please, for the love of God, reprint the card so we can sell it for 5 bucks because we'll sell it all day at that price. Yep. Um, so I don't think I want to be really deep on it, but again, a handful, see if it goes well. If it, if it does, if you get out of them relatively quickly, then you can go check if you can double dip. And if it ends up being too late at that point, you still did the right thing. Uh, yeah, this is definitely just just a solid arbitrage position. And I agree that the, the ceiling on this is probably roughly $50 of the year. 
I don't know why it would be significantly more like you're right it's it's not cool enough it's not a guy's cradle or whatever that's gonna drive people to pay 100 bucks for it they're just gonna hold out for a reprint in you know commander 2021 or whatever and it's a cool it's a cool clone effect but it's being a ninja in yuriko is where it shines and yeah if we if if the rumors about a crazy version of kamigawa coming down the pipeline are true then this could this could catch uh some heat again there it could also catch a reprint there but that's far enough in the future that i think you're going to have an exit before that if you play your cards correctly yeah i think this is uh good good looking good looking all right so for collector's corner this week we're going to talk about the some last week we talked about ultra expensive cards this week we're going to talk about hot edh premiums with table appeal under ten dollars so this is just a random assortment of cards that see a lot of EDH play and happen to have a sexy version that you could be snapping off. My first pick in this uh, on this list is Dovin's Veto F&M promo foils from Russia at $10 on eBay. The promos from that last year, the F&M promos with the uh, where the multicolors have in the text box the planeswalker symbol in the middle and each of their corresponding colors on either side in foil look amazing. And if you want the English copies, I think they're like four or five bucks personally on a card that's easy. That's iconic enough that most people recognize the art and have had it cast enough against them that nobody needs to read it. Um, I think that's the ideal place to be playing fancy foils uh, and fancy foreign foils in particular. So yeah, Russian FNM Dovin's veto. Yeah, those are nifty. Those are nifty looking. And I know we've talked about the FNM promo otherwise uh, as being a reasonable target. Um, I think one of our listeners talked about it at one point, I want to say. I mean, we've definitely flagged that that's one of the key uncommons from War of the Spark that's going to accelerate if it doesn't catch a reprint. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I personally don't really care too much about the Russian, but if you are into that type of thing, it seems like a pretty cool angle to chase uh, and a relatively inexpensive one given what you're going to pay for your other Russian cards. Yep, fair enough. Um, I have a whole slate of these, and honestly, this is just scratching the surface um, because there are so many good choices and I, I looked through my edh binder and found a couple i would have to go through all of my decks to see what else i had hiding in there because i don't remember what's buried in them uh, but one of the ones right off the top is day of judgment out of magic player rewards this is a full art textless foil day of judgment and probably the coolest art for day of judgment that exists i don't think it's foil uh i have them and i'm the, pretty confident it the is. player rewards wrath is definitely foil but the the I'm, full art mprs are all non-foil that is incorrect this is absolutely foil really the a bunch of the mpr promos so there were two versions of mpr promos they had like their I don't remember what, how the tier list worked, but there were essentially like the uncommon NPR promos that were non-foil. Interesting. Like that's Putrefy and Mortify. And then they had the 
special ones were foils. Oh, interesting. And this is one of those. Yeah, you're right. On, yep. So this is on TCG. They are are all indeed foil. I stand corrected. And and I don't. I I frankly don't understand why this card is seven dollars. Uh, Day of Judgment is in eleven thousand EDH decks. But there you go. If you play Day of Judgment and have your decks, this is the coolest version you can get for seven dollars. And I stand by my claim that this is the best art of this card. I, I'm not in love with this art, and that's true of most of the NPRs. Um, but I don't love any of the other Day of Judgments more, and this is definitely the most interesting version available. I think that the, mm-hmm. the other thing you you listed above this on your list is probably the best thing on the entire list. However. <laughs> The, yeah, the Path to Exiles uh, that came out of the GP promo. I put this as an example when we were talking about it, and you just um, you filled it in for me. Uh, I, I, I didn't skip it intentionally. I was going to come back to it. But yes, the GP promo Path of Exile has uh, ridiculous artwork on it. So amazing. And Yeah, and it was... It, you the, the correct art used to be the F&M promo by Rebecca Guay. Uh, was quite good. It kind of has, you know, Rebecca Goy's art style. Very high quality. It was very cool. Yeah, yeah. And the art was great, but at this point, with so many border treatments, just normal foil borders has kind of gotten a little boring, honestly. Um, and this full art Path to Exile promo is excellent. And those are available for about five bucks right now for the non foils and only 12 for the foils. So, uh, also a very good choice for your paths. Although I will say, Path to Exile is also in Time Spiral Remastered, so you can get full old borders there, too. Hmm. That's cute. Tempting. But I still think these Magic Fests are going to be the, the triumphant art, because... And, and the reason this is such a great pickup is... Oh, yeah. Is that yeah, for sure. Bang for your buck is real high here. And the reason is that these were GP promos where Channel Fireball got stuck holding tons of them because they couldn't run any events this year. So they ended up doing these GP in-a-box packages where they were sending them out in like two or three hundred dollar packages and tons of people bought them so there are plenty of copies of this floating around travis actually has some of mine that still need to get sent my way was was packaging them while we were recording (laughs) earlier and if i miss editing that sound clip out you will hear me packaging them (laughs) yeah i i didn't pick those up as that these are going to be any kind of short-term spec these are like the beta counter spell you throw these in a deck and maybe one day down the road they are worth more money than they are now they certainly deserve It, it it's probably a good point to specify that we're talking about cards here. These aren't necessarily picks yeah. because I don't think like that the $5 GP Path of Exile is really a pick because I don't see it skyrocketing in price. This is more just, hey, there's a really cool looking card for a cheap that you may not know exists. My next version along similar lines is the Magic Player Rewards Terminates. Um, I don't even think that the art is amazing, but it's definitely distinctive. And... You can get these at five bucks. They were also printed in uh, Mystery Boosters with the list. I think it's the list. So they just came out in the list through Zendikar Rising set boosters. If they keep it on the list for further sets like Keldheim, you're going to see more of these. So they might even get even cheaper. Um, And Terminate doesn't have a lot of fantastic art associated with it. This is easily the most distinctive, similar to Day of Judgment. And Textless is awesome for a card where everybody knows what it does. Yeah, a Terminate is very good. Um, my one caveat here is I would say don't get the MP, don't get the list version, get the NPR one because that little box in the bottom left corner really sticks out on the list version. Is obnoxious, sure. 
so I would get the NPR specifically. But yes, I I think I have several of these NPR terminates uh, because they're very cool, and I keep them. NPR had really NPR in general was just kind of a gold mine for this type of stuff um, because they look really cool with the full arts and they are all surprisingly inexpensive. There's like rampant growth and the lightning bolts are good. They're a little expensive, um, but there's some good stuff in there. Back from when, before they realized that they were supposed to charge us more for the premium cards, not give them away for free. Yep. Yep. All right. So tell me about a couple more of yours and then I'll do my final pick. Oh, uh, one of my, I think my the next one on here that is best is uh, this is the one's newer, so most people probably know about it. But Solemn Simulacrum out of the uh, the oh, let me find the exact version here. Core twenty one. Because I did the yeah, I did this the wrong way. Yes, Core twenty one. It's the full art borderless Solemn Simulacrum. The nine foil full art Solemns here are two dollars. Two dollars. Well, actually, I take that back. Yeah, no, two bucks for the non-foils and uh, like five bucks for the foils, for the full art foils. Like, this is ludicrous. Like, the, there is base, there is no real better solemn art. I think, like, you can buy the original foils with, uh, what's his name? No, I don't remember anymore. Jens? Is this, no, this is Kai Boot. Kai Boot is Sad Robot. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh so I mean, that's cool on like a history level. Um, but I think that the the color in the M21 version, the the depth in this of the art is very good. Um really makes use of that of that borderless frame in a way that not all cards do. And for five bucks for foils, my god, buy two playsets. I have some of these stashed away as specs that I bought early on in Europe for a couple bucks below current market. I think it's going to take a while for them to drain out. There's plenty of them around. The danger of showcase cards, uh, as opposed to extended arts and foil extended arts, is just much, way more of them around than you, than you, uh, your gut tells you there will be. I actually think I like the Masterpiece Solemn Simulacrum art the best out of every all available options in context of being in the frame. I think the highest quality art is the one that we first got, must have been... M11? M12? No, I I like the dual decks, Elves versus Inventors. No, I guess you're right. The the 2012 art is, I think, the best piece of art. Um, But I would like it a lot more if it was, if that was full art, borderless, textless. And they, because the, the... Gollum that is depicted would work perfectly on a card. So infrequently does mag- is magic art uh, well suited for portrait presentation because they are expecting it to be portrayed in landscape on the card. So often when you go to the borderless, if they take old art, they end up uh, you know just kind of like zooming in on the art, and sometimes it works better than others. If they did the full art treatment with this 2012 art, I would be quite happy because the quality of the painting is quite excellent. Yeah, I, I do like... I remember when that one came out, it was very cool um, and was definitely better than the robot that existed. Um, I don't... I think my problem with that is the frame of the robot is a little small. It's kind of... It doesn't do enough in the frame for me. 
It's not a di- it's like, not a dynamic went, pose, that's for sure. Yeah, and it just takes up so little of the real estate. And if you went full full art, like he just it doesn't. If you zoomed in on that a little bit more, yeah. And I I think the MPS art is actually quite is pretty solid too. I like I all the art on this is the, decent. The MPS art I has really a guider like, quality to it. Yeah, it, that is nifty. I just love the um, the presence of the background in the M twenty one version, and for five buck five dollar foil full arts for solemn, which you put in virtually every well, you used to put in every EDH deck. I'm not so sure that's the case now, but that just seems like a steal. Fair enough. Uh, my final pick is a growth spiral foil F and M. You can get these English, Russian, whatever you like. Um, this is Seb McKinnon art. <laughs> on a ubiquitous green blue card that's also played in competitive formats like you have chances to play this in uh is it banded pioneer i'm finding second guessing myself but at least you can definitely play this in modern edh if nothing else it it, it is legal in pioneer right if it's if it's legal in those three formats then you can't go wrong with seb mckinnon uh promo art <laughs> uh it's just a slam dunk yeah, that I love the color in the text box on this too. That blue and the green. Yeah, it's very rich. Yeah, um, that's very good. A uh, big fan of that as well. Um, I I wrote down a couple more. I'll just blow through these real fast. Uh, the lightning greaves from Double Masters is a little on the pricier side, but um, for how many times lightning greaves has been printed, there aren't a lot. The arts generally haven't been that interesting because just drawing a pair of boots apparently is challenging um the mps art is good no question about that those are a hundred dollars um then you have the double masters full art which is just looks good that's just a cool very dynamic shot um that works well in that and i'm a sucker for the borderless frames and it's twelve dollars for the non-foils and 15 for the foils but either way you're you're not going wrong there and i think it looks good either way um and then just a couple more that jumped out at me night howler the theros promo looks amazing in foil um and those are from theros and they're like two to three dollars uh and the reclamation reclamation sage m15 promos um were also uh, a good look on a very useful card and they're like three bucks so all of these are just like i feel like you get a lot of bang for your buck in terms of you know how much you're spending versus how often you play these cards and, and how much they're on the table. Granted, you're probably not playing Night Howler in a lot of decks, but that foil looks really cool. It's incredible to me that Lightning Greaves' original art, which is Stone Cold Terrible, got print reprinted 10 times Yeah. before they switched to anything else. Yeah. 10 times. And, 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 and I ultimately, th- I don't love any of the Lightning Greaves' art. I think that if I have to pick, it's either the MPS or the Double Masters, but I don't... I'm only I'm only lukewarm on both of them. Yeah, I think that well, one, I'd be curious to see the timetable on the prints, like in chronological order, because I almost think they had the original artwork, they printed it several times, then they came out with the F and M promo that had the newer, kind of more realistic artwork, and then they went back to the original art several times, I believe. Uh which is kind of funny. So, so- and I but just as my last thought, I agree that both the MPS and the, the Double Masters are both good. I think the Double Masters is a little more interesting because it's much more dynamic. But it kind of makes you wonder, like, can you draw a cool picture of boots? You can. They're, they're not thinking about this from a comic book perspective, unfortunately. You have to think about what the impact of the Greaves is in the in the context of the game. It makes your, your commander fast and makes them untouchable. 
So you've got to show that the dynamic image you're looking for is them jumping over like a lightning bolt or something that's trying to like hit them while kicking someone in the face. Like show, show me some like the action of what is accomplished from wearing the boots, not a picture of the boots in a catalog. Like the original art they used 10 times is literally two greaves just sitting freestanding in like on the ground, which makes no sense whatsoever. The whole point is that with a really weird murky background. Yeah, the whole point is that they're fast. So why are they just standing still, not being worn and not being used? And then the MPS art is the same kind of thing. The MPS art is shows you cool steampunk versions of them, but again, they're just it's it's like the moment after they put them on instead of the moment where they saved them. And yeah. that's that's how I would shift the art direction to get some really good stuff. And even in the double masters pick, which I know Cliff is pretty deep on, um it's it's still the greaves running and it's it's got a cool angle because you're seeing the character in motion from behind but it's still more about letting you see some detail on the greaves as opposed to showing you what the person the character is achieving with the greaves and that's what i want to see in the future i i think yeah i i think that uh i don't know a guy jumping over a lightning bolt and kicking someone in the face that could be cool i i i do like double masters ones but that could just be because i'm so used to all the other awful lightning greaves art and i haven't seen one that's truly exceptional yet i got i got Um, one bonus pick to throw in here uh yeah that i don't have in the sheet it's not ten dollars it's 1250 but you can get John Avon Academy Ruins foil borderless for twelve fifty right now. That's just slam dunk. Oh anyway, wow! Yeah, that looks great as well. There's probably a lot of good picks in Double Masters for cards that are very cheap that are very cool to own. Go figure. People opening ten thousand, twenty thousand VIP boosters in the course of three weeks has resulted in a glut of inventory. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh... Let's wrap up the week and just review the last of the Commander Legends spoilers. We probably won't spend too long on this because, um, you know, most of the good stuff had come out as of last recording. Um, two things that jumped out at me, both the full art Arcane Denial and Counter Spells uh, look quite solid. Um, so those would probably end up on our, our list here for cool cards you should buy a couple copies of that are cheap. Because these will likely not be terribly expensive, and they uh, they look good. Yeah, Cliff actually put together a pretty awesome article that you can find on mggprice.com where he went through the details of how much more rare foil extended arts, uh, rares, and mythics are going to be in the uh, Commander Legends collector boosters than we have seen in other formulations of that product with from other sets this year. Um, not only is it, are there some questions about how big of a wave and how many waves of the collector boosters are going to arrive in markets globally for this product, given the production problems at the Dallas facility where they seem to come from, but the specific formulation of these booster packs for Commander Legends uh, collector boosters suggests that it's going to be real tough to find a specific foil uh mythic extended art for one thing there are myth mythic extended yeah rares too but like they're all just more rare than they normally would be like if you go back to core 21 some of the collector boosters were getting opened with like six or seven uh foil extended art rares and like one or two of the mythics or borderless planeswalkers 
And it looks like with Commander Legends, because they've devoted some slot EV to the common and uncommon extended arts, and there's a tremendous amount of EV being being attached to the etched foil planeswalkers that you're going to get a bunch of in those. Uh, sorry, not planeswalkers. Etched foil commanders that you're going to get in those. The uh, 32 reprints plus the 70 plus new commanders. Uh, Lord Legendary creatures who are presumably going to be commanders. Um, it looks very much like they pulled back on the foil, the presence of foil, uh, rare and mythic extended arts to make sure that they were, the formulation was balanced appropriately because there's so much other juice in here. And keep in mind, this is, <laughs> this is a product where you can pull a foil extended art Japanese jeweled lotus. Who knows what the price on that is? The Japanese have been selling jeweled lotus regular for like $125 on pre-order, just regular. Yeah, so that's been happening here too. Well, yeah, but I'm talking. But what about the Japanese foil extended art that only comes out of their well, collective right, boosters? Right. What's that going to get right. priced at? Yeah, something stupid. No something, doubt. something silly, silly, silly. So, 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 but, but his article is about rares and mythics. Not, it, does it not touch on the commons or are the commons not impacted? He, he gives, he makes, gives the list and says there's like a lot of good stuff in here. Um, you know, as you brought up, uh, but. It's not going to be that easy to find any one of them because the list of what could be included is quite large. And, gotcha. and okay. there's more mythics and more rares in this set than there normally would be. Yeah, there are the, what is it, 22 mythics and 77 rares or something it's like wild. that? It's wild, yeah. Um, I did see a Chroma, Vision of Ixidor. Uh, that is a pretty potent looking partner, I think, which seems like that could end up uh, definitely getting some traction down the road. Um as a as a partner she she yeah, puts a lot of power on the table i think so i think she uh could drag some stuff into the spotlight some keyword heavy cards that might otherwise not be too terribly exciting she could do some work with later on i mean ac tyrant of gyre straight we already knew about but worth flagging again as you know four green blue plate you can play an additional land on each of your turns whenever a land enters the battlefield you draw a card that particular configuration of wording is not innovative or original in any way, but it fits into so many decks, including things like Omnath, and it's a mythic that this card is going to get to some low and then make money over the course of two years without a doubt. Oh yeah, that card is dumb. Like, I mean, like, it's just a dumb card. Like, why did we need another version of this? It's just, like, it, that is like commander design at its absolute worst. Um, Laziest anyway. But yeah and uh, yeah but i agree like this is just gonna go look at tatioba and everywhere tatioba is played this will be played and then probably a little bit more because it's better so yeah and everybody knows it's things like apex devastator just from a casual demand perspective longer term that's got to be a gainer from whatever it gets down to because a 10 10 for 10 is not that exciting but the fact that it says cascade 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 on it will certainly start conversations in a million different LGSs once people can go shop in them comfortably again. Yeah. To go with the Path of Exile full art, they released that nifty, uh, oh, I can't, that the wording is really small. Sam Wolf Connolly Swords to Plowshares full art here. So you can get the swords along with the path. Um, that will probably also clock in as a good inexpensive full art card. Yeah, that sounds like that's true. Uh, the full art soul rings. Uh, we we last week we w hadn't confirmed soul ring 
before we recorded, but we uh, it came out shortly thereafter, and I do agree those look... The full art soul rings looks quite good. I think those are going to end up being quite popular, and I'm curious to see where the prices land on that because those could be uh, a definite pickup. The only question is whether they're if they're going to keep doing them every year, but I don't think that's the case. Well, they'll, def- they'll certainly find an excuse to give us a premium soul ring minimum once every two years and probably closer to like once or twice a year. We know in the Commander Legends collection green, you're inexplicably getting a soul ring. Mm-hmm. The thing is that soul ring is boring, whereas the full art soul ring here looks quite good. So I'm cu- I'll just be curious to see where the prices land because I think the foil full art soul rings here, um, if we don't see them for two years, maybe three years again, those could probably do pretty well. Because why would you buy nth normal version of soul ring with different slightly different art when you could have the cool full art one yeah i mean cliff gave us the full list of of what you can pull here in the comments and uncommons you got a braid acidic slime arcane signet arcane denial and boros charm burnished heart coiling oracle commander sphere and command tower counterspell kuambaj witches factor fiction flesh bag marauder findhorn elves generous gift humble defector kodama's reach Muldrifter, Myriad Landscape, Opal Palace, Path of Ancestry, Preordain, Preordain, Reliquary Tower, Return to Dust, Soul Ring, Swords of Plowshares, Swiftfoot Boots, Teamer Battle Rage, Terramorphic Expanse, Thought Vessel, Three Visits, Victimize, and Viseraseer. That is a lot of juice. And those are all full arts, yeah. right? That's the unco- that's those the common, f- uncommon, extended art and extended art foils that are only those... available in the Collector Boosters. Those Swiftfoot boots are going to be good too, because those see those are basically better than Lightning Greaves, and I don't think there has been a single good version of Swiftfoot boots. Uh, let me do a quick check, and uh, this is the Commander version. It's the same art, man. We are now at fifteen printings of Swiftfoot boots. Every single one uses the same artwork. Um, but I still think those full arts are going to be popular because it's the only cool version. Right now, there are foils on TCG Player for seven bucks. That means these are going to come down. Yep, they should. These foil full art swift boots at like four bucks. Ooh, that that sounds tasty. I mean, there's a foil rare, mythic rare slot in each of these Commander Legends collector booster packs, and in that, you have a seventy percent chance of it being a regular foil rare or mythic rare. And a 30% chance of it being an extended art foil rare or mythic rare. So only, like, if there's a 30% chance and you're getting 12 packs, then roughly four of your packs are going to have foil extended arts. And then of it being a particular extended art foil, you've got a 0.49% chance, like 1 in 200, of it being an extended art foil rare you're looking for. And a like one in 400 chance of it being a foiled jeweled lotus extended art those are going to be really hard to find so if they get priced at like the best possible thing here to happen would be that the market crashes the price on jeweled lotus down to something reasonable like 40 dollars or whatever so that they can price the foil extended art jeweled lotus at 100 and then people are like ah that's still too high but they're probably a buy at 100 honestly because there's so few of them. That upsets me. Like, 
thought. That's probably going to be right, and that upsets me because that card should, is not nearly as good as people think As a is, mediocre but. card, I could see that card three years out if it doesn't catch any kind of premium reprint, which, if it's good enough, it certainly could. But say two years out from release, Foil Extended Art Jeweled Lotus could be three to $500. It, that, I mean, I think... That's a little high, but I would see two to three hundred seems very plausible. They are basically, I gotta, I gotta run some total, like some overarching math that Cliff hasn't done yet in terms of what the print run of this is likely to be versus, say, something like Kaladesh, and then do some comparisons between these and Inventions to figure out like the relative amount of them. So I'll probably work on that and report back next week. Um, but I suspect there are less of the. Less foil extended art jeweled lotuses than there are, say, masterpiece, whatever. So, <laughs> not many. And if and if the masterpiece soul ring can hold six hundred dollars, then jeweled lotus being mediocre but hyped certainly should be able to hold half of that if it's way way harder to come by and only has a single premium version. Uh, we'll see it's going to be very uh, interesting to see where jeweled lotus prices <laughs> land i mean part of this could just because i'm so uh, turned off to it based on other people's reactions but if if mps soul ring is 600 like soul ring is like the commander yep, card right definitive yep like yeah like the so that has amazing name recognition and like it is there is no question that the card of the card's utility. Jewel Lotus, of course, you know, yes, the word Lotus is written on the card, but like it is not going to be, a, there's going to be doubt about whether it's as, it's good. Um, even if it looks good, there will be, it won't be quite as solidified. So I have trouble believing that people will pay $400 for a card like that. Yeah, so according to Cliff, Jeweled Lotus... Even if it's rare. According to Cliff, Foil Extended Art Jeweled Lotus will only show up in every 33 boxes. <laughs> so, not that many. So, basically, I mean, basically you have to spend $7,000 to get a Foil Extended Art Jeweled Lotus. Yeah, but okay. You have to spend seven grand to hit one. That makes it sound like the card's really expensive, but... If you think the card's gonna be five hundred dollars, and I, I'm not like attacking you, just you know, if if you say the card's five hundred dollars, that means that it's making up one fourteenth, or like that's like what one, it's like seven percent of well, pulling one of those makes up seven percent of your expenses. Like with a single card, like that doesn't seem right to me. That seems too high. Well, let's let's put this in. You know, compare it side by side with, say, in a mono. A foil of mono comes out of roughly uh, one out of a hundred boxes of Japanese War of the Spark. It's not quite that, but just for argument's sake. So you got to spend when they were a hundred dollar boxes, you had to spend ten thousand dollars to pull a foil of mono, which is in part why they are pushing seven or eight thousand in the Series One version on Hariuya. Um, so. If the math is anything like that for the Foil Extended Art Jeweled Lotus, then a few hundred bucks plus doesn't seem that crazy. If anything, that tells me the math on the Amano is wrong. 
like either that card is overpriced. I mean, it's anime; it is overpriced. But if people will pay that pay that stupid number for it, then it sounds like you should be cracking series one boxes if you can buy them for a hundred dollars. Because if you find if you spend ten grand and you crack one of those manos, you get eight grand back. That means you only have to find two thousand dollars in the rest of the value in the rest of the well, box. It does not seem hard. That, that is why we bought almost a, like a thousand boxes of the product. <laughs> In the right. Pro Trader Discord. Well, that was in, before you knew. No, that. no, no. That was the whole. Pre- that was the whole premise. It was only three thousand at the time, but the math still right. worked because yes. because the EV being given up um, by not just the Amano, but all the other ten to fifteen planeswalkers that were worth you know fifty dollars plus in the foil version. Blah 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 blah. Here's the, here's the bottom line though. Forget about Jewel Lotus. Figure out which foil mythic which mythic is underrated because. The foil extended art mythics of that card are just as rare as the jeweled lotus. So, <laughs> if that's Sakashima or something, those are going to be really hard to come by. Well, you're, oh, I mean, oh no, it can't be Sakashima because I think Sakashima is a partner. So he'll be one of the. He'll only appear in etched. I think the extended arts can only be the mythics that are not uh, legendary creatures. See, so it has to be a mythic that's not a partner. Correct. Or mythic that's not a legendary creature. Correct. Wait, legendary creature or partner? Legendary creature. Okay, so like the the Akroma. No, Akroma's a part. Would run. Akroma's a partner. Oh yeah, she is, isn't she? Okay, well. So the 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 first of all, the battle bond lands, the new five, um, foil extended our rares are going to be significantly more rare than. Uh, the versions that just came out of Zendikar Rising. The box toppers. Because you got two foil box toppers per uh, collector booster for ZNR, and it was a two out of a possible 30, right? Versus a much larger rare list and a lower drop rate. So they're probably twice as rare as that. And if the market prices them the same way because they're the same template, oh boy, that will be awesome. I I desperately want Europe to price these as though they just came out of Zendikar Rising expeditions. Well, I guess I guess the angle here is uh, really any foil borderless mythic that doesn't seem overpriced might be worth a buy early on. Trying to find the find one I like because the court cards are all rares. Uh, the wheel of misfortune is a rare. Those lands are rares. Oh, I know which one. Apex Devastator. Foil extended art. Apex Devastator. Whatever that gets down to in Europe is going to be a hot buy for sure. Mm. Quad cascade. Very low drop rate. Ooh. Mnemonic deluge. And by the way, monitoring. <laughs> oh shit, you're right. Yeah, what's but I mean the market's not stupid. The the mana drains are gonna be no. insane. And nobody's yeah. gonna pre or pre-sell any of those because the drop rates are so low that if anybody tries to pre-sell twenty, they're gonna have to open what did Cliff say? Thirty? So you'd have to open six hundred boxes to to get twenty mana drains. And even then you'd the- be subject to variance. The, so I think like your your overcosted ones out of the gate are like Mana Drainer, Vampiric Tutor, and, and Jewel yeah, Lotus. Yeah. And I think some of your underpriced ones are probably Mnemonic Deluge, um, 
maybe triumphant reckoning reshape the earth that's the search your library for 10 lands put them on the battlefield tapped yeah the thing is if i'm spending nine or ten mana i want it to basically win me the game reshape the earth doesn't do that well, most likely can in the right deck but it's right but it's but more it, it, like yeah compared to triumphant reckoning or demonic deluge which I think are, are going to appear a little less sexy, but are still very good. Our kind of coronation might be a good one. Um, that could be the type of card that like you just kind of gloss over, but just shows up in a bunch of decks because it's actually quite useful. I mean, I think Apex Devastator is on the table for sure. I mean, the, the market is going to price the the known the good known rares, the black one and the blue one, pretty high. Hellbreacher and Opposition Agent, Foil Extended Arts are going to start pretty up there i would imagine but if i if we can get those down to that ten dollar range oh boy hellkite courser sure hellkite courser is actually pretty tempting too yeah it's a solid card you could do some real funky stuff with that if you have a commander that blinks looks like i gotta go do some research on card market and see what uh they've started pricing this stuff at because some prices are up already yeah. All right. We'll we'll have to touch base on that next week. In the meantime, where can our listeners find you? You can James? find me online at Twitter, uh, via at MTG Critic, as well as via my occasional articles, mtgprice.com. And I am also constantly haunting the Pro Trader Discord, helping everybody get the best bang for their buck. <clears throat> and I am on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I decided earlier today I'm now only going to post Futurama memes. Mm. So that's all my Twitter account we'll talk about from now on. Sounds productive. I also like to remind yeah. our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Which brings us to the end of episode 245. Getting up there. Uh... It's a good one this week. It'll be a good one next week. Uh, and I will see you then, James. Enjoy the rest of this uh, wildly warm weather this week, my friend. And <laughs> For the next eight hours. Yeah, whenever it's <laughs> supposed to end. And we'll see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Minds. Mm-hmm.